It's a Royale with cheese. Hello and welcome to this week's Urgent Bite, brought to you by the Royal New Zealand College of Urgent Care. My name is Guy Melrose and today I want to talk about the occipital mapillary. Now hands up if you know what the occipital mapillary is. Okay, now if you know the answer, keep it to yourselves for now. But if you don't know what it is, then you're in the same boat as I was, so allow me to enlighten you. I know I've said this many times before, but knowing everything is an admirable yet unachievable goal. Accepting this means that we are on that never-ending treadmill of knowledge acquisition, retention, forgetting, and reacquiring. The best way to learn is to find something you do not know and to ask yourself questions about it. Why, what, how, when, and so on. Having an open mind to acquiring knowledge means you can always be ready to absorb new information. So when faced with something I do not know, the first thing I need to determine is, is this something I have heard of and forgotten, or is it something that is completely new to me? The former is quite common. I talked about this last week. I knew I'd learned about Paget-Schroeter syndrome, but it had been misfiled in my brain. In recounting this to you now, though, I did so without having to look this up, because I think as a result of last week's podcast, I now have this filed somewhere more reliable. But I think as time goes by, the incidence of having never heard of something before must recede, so it should be less likely that we've never heard of something, and more likely that we've just simply forgotten it. Now, a common reason I'm often finding something I've not heard of before is when reviewing drug names from overseas visitors. I can read a list of trade names, and I have no clue of what they are. But upon doing a quick Google, I find that I actually know the drug, but by another name. So this is not a knowledge gap I look to fill, as I need to keep my local knowledge current. I liken this to the conversation between Jules and Vincent about McDonald's burgers in the movie Pulp Fiction. A quarter pounder in France is a royale with cheese, due to the French using the metric system, and therefore a quarter pounder not being relevant. Interesting little fact, eternalised in our memories by that iconic film dialogue, but no different to learning that Pamol is Tylenol in the US, or Calpol in the UK. Which segues me nicely towards the occipital mapillary. As a film fan all my life, I've always enjoyed both watching the films of Quentin Tarantino and listening to the man himself talk about films. He is an encyclopedia of film knowledge and understands the medium unlike anyone else I've heard or read on the matter. Even if his films leave you unimpressed, I'm sure that even his most ardent critics cannot deny his knowledge of all things celluloid. He recently started his own podcast called The Video Archives, which has become a regular listen for me, and it was via this that I found myself listening to him talking on another podcast about films. 
On this occasion, the topic of Alfred Hitchcock came up, and it seems that Quentin is not a huge fan, although he is still an admirer with suitable respect towards Alfred Hitchcock. But in the course of the discussion, he mentioned a film starring Cary Grant and Joan Fontaine called Suspicion. The discussion piqued my interest in the film, so I found a copy and went about watching it. Well, not to discuss the plot too much, in case you've not seen it, but at one stage, Cary Grant is being a little, shall we say, touchy-feely with Joan Fontaine's character. During this encounter, he comments on her usipital mapillary. Now, I paused the film, and after thinking about it, I wrote the word down to look it up later, because here it seemed was an anatomical term I'd never heard of before, so I wanted to know more. I can think of a number of examples in medicine of there being more than one way to describe or refer to something within medicine, from how we document our notes, for example, or how we name drugs or procedures, acetaminophen versus paracetamol, an appendicectomy or an appendectomy, a pulmonologist or a respiratory physician, is it Simmons' test or Thompson's test? And there are colloquial names, or names used by laypeople, some of which we use as clinicians. Chickenpox, rather than varicella. Shingles, or herpes zoster. Fracture, or a break. Tennis elbow, or lateral epicondylitis. Medicine is riddled with these variables, like any language or collection of related languages. Indeed, Medical language has evolved in the same way the language we call English today is not the same as that which Shakespeare wrote. I recently saw an archive of records of deaths in a single year in London from the 1800s, and it had some interesting causes of death that I do not think we see, or certainly words that we do not use. Body flux, apoplexy, dropsy, liver groan, Purples and Spotted Fever, or King's Evil. I thought it interesting that one person died of sciatica, and one was recorded as a bit of a mad dog, and 46 people were killed by several accidents, which is unlucky. But language changes, and it seems we hang on to some old terms, while others are lost to time. But what of the usipital mapillary? Is this another old medical term lost to time, and does it have any relevance to us now? So when assessing someone who is very short of breath, we look for a few indicators. Accessory muscle use, cyanosis, tachypnea, subcostal recession, and also suprasternal recession. For suprasternal recession, we look for indrawing at the suprasternal notch. I think this is the most common time that we will look at this area in urgent care, and if we're looking there, we're looking at the usipital mapillary. Although we're not really. Because while this is the area of the body that Cary Grant was referring, it is a little bit like Captain Kirk asking for more Klagen quartz to be added to the variable pulse drive. It's all a figment of the screenwriter's imagination. Cary Grant plays a shady and duplicitous character in this film. After all, it's called Suspicion. 
So I think using an apparently medical name to describe that area was intended to tell the audience, at least those with some anatomical knowledge, that he was a shady geezer. And this explains why I did not know what it was and had not heard of it before. It was made up. So what, might you ask, is the urgent care CPD lesson from this film-related ramble? Well, on reflection, my take-home here is that medicine needs to be a shared, common language, and one that we all use, both as clinicians and as patients, such that we do not get lost in translation. Words can be confusing, and so many medical words are confusing, when they're really just descriptive Latin words. Joan Fontaine was tricked into thinking that Cary Grant's character was more knowledgeable than he was simply by using words that sound fancy, because they sounded like words that we use in medicine all the time. Not that we use them to be duplicitous, but these fancy words only serve to create a barrier between us and our patients. Perhaps they make us seem clever and educated, but we risk creating a barrier that actually leads to misunderstanding and have potential for poorer health outcomes. Often our patients will not stop to ask for clarification and will imply that they've followed us when they have not. We need to make sure we are able to communicate the problem and the solution to our patients without resorting to fancy words. And we need to make sure that they have had the time to take in the information and feel able to ask for clarifications. This is not just an urgent care lesson, but something all healthcare needs to remember. And if a reason why we justify rushing through our words is that we're pressed for time, I personally believe that this is a false economy. An extra minute today will have future ramifications on that patient's health journey. I think the patient is more likely to follow advices and less likely to return for further consultations brought about by a lack of understanding of their condition. So I think we should look at things over the longer term and not just the immediate present. It is a balancing act and a difficult wire to walk, but try to put yourselves in the patient's shoes, listening to your words, and maybe transfer that to an area you are less comfortable, like sitting across from an accountant, or the person fixing your boiler, or flying your plane, or writing the code that runs your computer software. On those occasions when you feel like a rabbit in the headlights, when you are the Homer Simpson sitting, staring blankly into the distance while all you hear is blah, blah, blah. Those are the occasions we need to channel when we're talking to our patients. What is straightforward to us is mumbo-jumbo to them. When we say suprasternal notch, they may as well have heard occipital mapillary. So from listening to Tarantino wax lyrical about Hitchcock, I found myself reflecting on how a lot of words we use with patients are confusing and at times may as well be made up. I think we should all resolve to make sure our patients understand what we're saying and stop to think whether the words we're using are actually appropriate for conveying the information. Now we'll be back again next week with another podcast. I look forward to seeing you all then, but for now... Thanks for listening.